0: Some of us know the struggle, how it can trap you like a black hole if it gets massive enough. You reached out and all I had to offer was that nothing matters. The only thing that matters is how we treat each other. It wasn't enough. I didn't know you were approaching your event horizon. I would have tried harder. The world feels diminished without your presence. You should have had more time to live and to learn how to safely embrace the void. ever going to make it back from the void, I suppose it was going to be you. Oh well, you know, one man's void is another man's piece of cake. What about the reality
1: we left behind? What about the reality where Hitler cured cancer, Morty? The answer is don't think about it. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey
0: stuff. (laughs)
1: Podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people.
0: Welcome, friends, to episode two thirty six of Embrace the Void, where we're trying to mix that A back in with the LGBTQ. I am your host, Aaron, and this week we are talking secular community organizing. So. Let's make with the f- godless rituals. Life ends in death, which we as a species are cursed with knowing, resulting in something. My returning guest this week is Callie Wright, host of the Queersplaining podcast. Callie, would you once again like to say hi to the void?
1: Oh, hello, void. It's very good to not see you because I guess it's a void. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a thing that you can, uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, you oh, know, you, you can see <laughs> the absence, right? There's a strong sense of an absence there that you're aware of, at least.
1: Okay. If it's yeah, absence, right? is it really a thing?
0: Yeah, we'll get to that later. Don't worry. <laughs> put, just put a pin in that and we'll we'll pull okay. that at the All end right. and it'll be a really funny joke when we get there. Okay, good. So that's a call forward right there. Callie, I'm so happy to have you back on the show. We got to hang out recently, which was super wonderful, and we were chatting about some stuff that we've both, I think, been thinking a lot about in terms of secular non-believer community organizing. Yeah. Before we get to that, though, last time, and this maybe, you know, somewhat relevant to our conversation, last time we chatted, you talked about your experience transitioning and some of the challenges that you sort of experienced post-transition. Folks should definitely go back and listen to that episode for sure, but also. I just wanted to start off. It was okay to ask, you know, how things have been going since then in general and, and with the trans stuff.
1: Yeah, it's, Interesting. I'm not sure. Had I come out as non-binary the last time we talked? I really don't remember because I don't think so. Time is yeah. Very weird. Time
0: means nothing. Yes.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I figured out I was non-binary, so that's neat. That's a cool self-exploration that is a podcast episode in itself. Uh, But what it kind of comes down to is that I just figured out that gender just doesn't make sense to me. And I would rather just act like it's not real and opt out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so, Okay. uh, Yeah. So you're gender
0: critical is what you're saying.
1: Don't even fucking
0: (laughs) (laughs) not doing that. (laughs) Sorry, just trying to get you a little canceled here at the beginning. Yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah, that's great. It's going to be on Twitter uh, the minute this comes out. It's
0: fine. Nailed Uh, it.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I figured out I was non-binary, you know, tried on they, them pronouns, and that that worked out well. I I switched to injecting my hormones, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. My boobs got a little bigger, which is great. Uh, And I'm also just insatiably horny all the time now. And just fully embracing the fact that I'm a giant fucking slut bag and uh, polyamorous and promiscuous, uh, but also safe. I get tested regularly, use protection, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, So yeah, and, and most of that happened like right at the beginning of the pandemic when it wasn't really safe to engage in any activities related to that. Mm. So that was an interesting and not altogether fun experience. But, you know, since vaccines are a thing now and it's possible to take safety measures, uh, relatively mm-hmm. speaking, I've, I've been embracing that a little bit and it's been great. It's been fun. I'm kind of living my best life, honestly. And, nice. Yeah. And I feel like I've just come to a point in life where like gender stuff feels pretty settled for me. You know, not that nothing will ever change because things always do, but I just I feel like that's not really a struggle for me anymore. I've just like fully embraced the that it's like fluid and amorphous, and I'm not mm-hmm. even entirely sure that it means anything outside of the societal context that I grew up in, and so I'm just kind of like di- divested from having big feelings about wherever I land in any of that, and mm. it's uh it's it's really neat. I'm, I'm like living my best life in terms of, uh, in terms of gender, which is great.
0: So I want to explore this a little bit, obviously sure. having a bunch of conversations about sort of the philosophy of gender in various places recently. Um, folks can go check those things out if they really want to, but so I want to understand. So when you say that, like, you don't sort of believe in gender at this point, do you still believe that you have a gender identity or do you think that that concept doesn't, Fit with your experience at this point, either?
1: This is going to sound like such a squirrely answer, but it really depends on how you define it, I guess. Okay. (laughs) Because part of how I got there was I was really thinking about how, you know, trans woman, girl, all of that sort of stuff. I was like, you know, that's not actually super comfortable for me to live inside. Like, it's certainly more comfortable than the man box and being perceived and uh, talked about in that way. And I, I started to ask myself, okay, well, like why, right? Like, why is that uncomfortable? What is it about me that makes me feel this way? And Mm -hmm. I really couldn't come back to anything that didn't boil down to some kind of gender essentialist stereotype of some kind. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, well, if, if that's all I have to appeal to for myself, then I don't know that it makes sense to define myself based on that because almost all of that is bullshit anyways. Like it's not like those are boxes that society has constructed to put people in. And Mm -hmm. I would rather just opt out of that way of categorizing myself. And Mm -hmm. I think there are lots of people who really do find meaning in that in some way or another. And that's in all sincerity. It's not, to like question those folks or where they have landed and how they see themselves. But I, I know for me, it just completely stopped making sense to try to fit into any of that at all Mm -hmm. where it comes into play. Like, do I have a gender identity for me? I mean, I still have to know how I fit into the world around me and how people are going to perceive me and how people are going to receive me and act towards me based on their perception of me. And I still need to navigate that a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. in that way, maybe I guess I do. Mm -hmm. And so I do think about that sometimes. And it is like, you know, there are differing levels of comfort that I have with different sorts of like stereotypical gender expression, right? Like I still Mm -hmm. like to get super femmed up and wear like makeup and earrings and dresses and that kind of stuff. But also I like, you know, uh, leggings and t-shirts and gym shorts and all of that. And it is interesting to note how people treat me and how people seem to like perceive me as just another person versus like, oh, there's, there's something going on with this person.
0: Mm-hmm. And so like
1: I guess I do have a gender identity in some way if I'm you know thinking about the way that I interface with the world, but mm-hmm. in terms of how I think of myself, I just I don't really think of myself in those terms anymore and it's it's been very liberating to get to that mm-hmm. point for me and mm-hmm. I uh and I love it. It's 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 made me a lot more comfortable with myself to to just sort of leave that way of categori that that way of uh categorizing myself behind and um And I know like some people say that Mm -hmm. like, I I mean, you you know, you made like the gender critical joke. And honestly, like there are some people who will use those kinds of arguments to invalidate the trans experience. And I want to be very, very careful in saying that is 100% not what I'm doing. And I'm talking very specifically about my own experience and the way that I fit into things. Right. Um, Because there are so many people who really do find meaning in the word man or in the word woman or in their like very Explicit sense of a gender identity that they have, and I one hundred percent believe what those folks report about their experience of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. It just it it's just stopped making sense for me.
0: Yeah, no, I think this is really fascinating. Obviously, because I've been having all these conversations with gender critical folks and about these debates around gender, and you know, you see one kind of pushback to the folks that you're describing, the ones who use this kind of idea of i don't have a gender identity to invalidate the idea that anybody has a gender identity with a kind of argument that no you do everybody does you're just not aware of it it's just latent or you're you're not acknowledging it or something like that and i actually i'm i'm not necessarily sympathetic to that response because i do think it seems fine to me to say some people don't have a gender identity and other people do and like that's that's totally fine. Like there's no incompatibility there. So I think it's, it's fascinating to hear from your perspective that like you are in that kind of same place. Um, Let me ask you one quick terminology thing. You use non-binary. Is there a reason to use that instead of like a gender when you're describing this?
1: Yes. I actually did a whole podcast episode about this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay obviously there is lots of talk about labels and how we describe ourselves. And this even goes back to like atheism discourse, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you primarily identify yourself as an atheist, usually that means you are primarily identifying yourself as a thing you're not. And mm-hmm. in that way, I often find that not to be the most useful word to describe myself. And mm-hmm. similarly, I kind of felt that way about gender and sexuality too, right? Like, okay, I'm non-binary. That describes a thing I'm not, so what am I? I'm queer. Queer describes a thing that I'm not. I am not heterosexual, but it's not specific beyond that. But beyond that, it it just means that I'm not this thing. Mm -hmm. What else am I? What is the word for the thing that I actually am as opposed to the thing that I'm not? And I spent a lot of time working through that and trying to figure that out. And where I came down on gender and sexuality, I don't know if I feel this way about like atheism, humanism, because they definitely describe a different axis of human experience, I think, uh, is that Mm -hmm. I actually am kind of into the idea of primarily describing myself as something that I'm not in that way. Because if I am trying to opt out of like gender-based oppression and work my way out from under that system, at least to the extent that I'm able in how I live my life, Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to just look at, okay, here's this thing that society expects me to be, and I'm not that. And that says something really important about me and how I move through the world. But the only reason that I feel the need to be more specific is because I've been kind of taught that I'm supposed to, not because Mm -hmm. I actually feel any deep personal need to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I came down. I'm like, that is, non-binary is the word that I am the most comfortable with describing myself in terms of gender. And queer is the word that I am the most comfortable with describing myself in terms of my like, sexual and romantic attraction and
0: mm-hmm. all of
1: the different ways that affects how I move through the world. And I kind of came down on the fact that I'm just okay with that lack of specificity.
0: Mm, Yeah, and I'm sympathetic to that. I don't think there's necessarily anything in principle wrong with um, a a community, at least in part, or an individual is in part defining themselves by what they are not by what they're, you know, I think you do also need to have like a a positive account of your values. But I'm sure, you know, that that comes along as well, right in your in the the trans activism that one does alongside um, this kind of philosophy. So that's, that's really fascinating. Thank you for, for sharing some of that. Um, so let's let's talk then some about our main thing today, which is um, movement secularism. Let's go with that term, since yeah. um, I think <laughs> there actually are quite a few people and and depending on on your race, more people who don't necessarily identify with the word atheist. And I think that's an interesting issue itself to talk about some. Um, but before we do that, right. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this with regard to the movement atheism, with the American Atheist Convention that's coming soon, um, and like specifically issues around the movements, what seem to be issues regarding reputation with marginalized communities. Um, so to get our way into that topic, do you want to talk a little bit about your own personal history with movement secularism?
1: Yeah, for sure. I have used the word atheist to describe myself i think since i was like 17 18 19 ish somewhere in that vicinity i i did a lot of self-exploration when i was younger than that uh and i i was like (laughs) I, i came across this book about wicca or something like that and it just seemed interesting to me. And church seemed really stuffy. And I was not a big fan of church. I was going with my grandma. I was a Christian. I believed in that as much as you can when you're like a preteen. And that stopped making sense to me. Then I had a couple of experiences that let, oh, God is in this room and whatever silly thing that was probably just like a, a mm-hmm. deep sense of community that I was feeling. And I didn't know that's what that was. But of course I attribute it to God because that was the only vocabulary that I had. Um, but not too long after that, I really came down with like, this doesn't make any sense to me. I, I I asked a whole lot of questions of a whole lot of people, and I got really really shitty answers. And I was like, I just don't think any of this makes mm-hmm. sense to me. And so, like, I guess I'm an atheist. And that was kind of all there was to it for for a time, for a few years. And I really. Uh, I I started getting into podcasts and I just like plugged the word atheist into, you know, a podcast player. And I came up with, you know, all the big players from like 10 ish years ago. Right. And I was like, wow, there's actually a community here. There's like a bunch of people who are organized around this thing. And I bought a lot of the books that a lot of people get into atheism with and, you know, watching the Mm -hmm, YouTube mm -hmm. debates, some of the really famous YouTube debates And for a while, I was kind of a like a firebrand, sort of like, if you're religious, I'm smarter than you kind of person. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, kind of a very self-righteous atheist. I'm not proud of that, but it's true. I was. (laughs) Uh, I was like that. And, you know, I started getting involved with uh, some of the communities around some of the podcasts at that time. And Mm -hmm. I came out as trans and... I ran into a really, a level of religiosity in the queer community locally that I did not expect. Hmm. And in, in a level of like proselytizing, right? Because I imagined I was like, sure. I know that there are like queer Christians or trans Christians and that's all cool. But those folks have at least got to be a little more sympathetic to those of us who are not right. Because they know yeah. what is going on in the church and all of that. Why do you uh, think
0: that was? Did you, did you get any sense of like why that was so prevalent in that community? You know, I, I, that's a
1: big question. (laughs) Honestly, I I mean, I I think it is. I I don't really think it's a lot different than the reasons that a lot of people are, have a a religious or spiritual belief, right? Like some of it's Mm -hmm. your upbringing, some of it's. Some personal experience that you've had that convinces you that, like, this is you know, God looking after me, or like God uh, speaking to me, or helping me through this hard time, or the sense of community that you find in a religion. Um, if you're going through hard times in life and you find hope really uh, tough to hold on to, it's uh, sometimes mm-hmm. more comforting to believe that, like, okay, well, I don't see any hope for this life to be good, so maybe the next one will be better. And that makes a religious viewpoint. Uh, more, uh, more appealing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, just like any other, I'm I'm sure there are people who have done a lot of, you know, reading and, you know, read all of the apologists and all the books and stuff, and also have very rational reasons for believing in God. You know, I, I really don't think it is any different than any other community. And Mm -hmm, I think my, my expectation that it might be different was probably a failing on my part, Hmm. not, not, realizing that
0: nothing it's an interesting you know, like it's it's counterintuitive i think it is somewhat counterintuitive so you that, know that's I, interesting to find out
1: i'm not sure that i think it is honestly
0: i mean I, well counterintuitive is obviously subjective to what your intuitions are <laughs> but right, i think right, like yeah, yeah. it would be reasonable to have intuitions by which that would appear at least counterintuitive sure yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense um, um okay so so sorry i interrupted you a little bit there so you were talking about those experiences um can i ask a little bit before you sort of get into your experience your further experience with movement atheism since you come from a religious background which is common amongst um non-believers did you experience significant backlash for coming out as a non-believer like people treat you as less moral for example um as a result interesting
1: my my mom is the kind of person That I guess you would use like culturally Christian to describe like she grew up in a house with my grandma who was uh, is a super, super hardcore Pentecostal, uh, you know, speaking in tongues, yelling and screaming, running up and down the aisles, singing the songs, all of that sort of stuff. And she was like very oppressive to my mom and my aunts and uncles in their upbringing. And my mom swore that she was not going to bring her kids up like that. And uh, so my Mm. mom, you know, she had a Bible. She never read it. Um, And she would like, she had sort of this like reflexive reaction to things that were like satanic or whatever, but she never told me that I should go to church. I mean, she, she she thought mm-hmm. that it was good that I was going with my grandma, but if I was like, eh, "I'm not going to church today," she'd be like, "Well, just call your grandma and let her know. It's not. It's fine." So like a um, low
0: religiosity upbringing. At yeah, least. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. My grandma was super hardcore about it and super preachy, but also not in an oppressive way. I guess it's 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 hard to describe, right? Because like when I came out as atheist to my grandma, it was more like I could see that she was sad and she like tried to give me some books to read to convince me that I was wrong, but she never, she never tried to be the like, well, you're going to burn in hell and you're terrible and you're awful and all of that sort of stuff. It always just felt like, uh, like a, and, and I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed kind of situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. I think I don't know. I think she just had herself convinced that I was going through a phase as a a person in my like mid to late teens. As
0: uh, as statistically, you might still be. You never know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Who the hell knows? (laughs) Um. Um, So yeah. Aside from that, and I mean, we would have debates and arguments every once in a while, uh, mm -hmm. and, and that was actually kind of part of what brought me out of it is we were having one of those and I was asking her a bunch of questions to her credit. She was like, you're asking me a lot of really smart questions that I honestly can't answer. Would you be willing to talk to my pastor? And I was like, sure, why not? And I talked to the pastor. Yeah.
0: Pass you off to management. Yep. Absolutely.
1: And I don't even remember specifically what the questions I was asking were. And I'm sure it just had to do with the very obvious contradictions in the Bible. Stuff that is very like one hundred and one atheism kind right. of stuff, right? And the pastor was a really shitty apologist. Uh, <laughs> like, shout out to him because if he was a good apologist, as, like he might have convinced me as a kid. Who knows? Um,
0: mm-hmm. got lucky on that, but one. Uh,
1: yeah. But in his whole thing was just like, well, you know, it's it's not wrong to question. You just have to realize that all of the answers are in the Bible. And mm. as a kid, I was just like, okay, this is. Either this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or he's actively full of shit. Either way, I'm not convinced. <laughs>
0: Do you feel like his shittiness led to you being more reactionary when you swung in the other direction? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. B- because
1: I, I I should say when I when I say shitty, I just mean that he was not skilled at all at right. as an apologist. Right. He wasn't mean. He was very nice. No, no, no. I I know
0: what you mean. You just mean um, not not competent at his job.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very incompetent apologist. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I think that really just left me with the feeling that like okay there there really is nothing here for me this doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and I think that's probably like I think there was a time a couple of years after that where I w- I had one of those experiences where I was talking about like oh I feel like God is like in the room you know it had like some big religious experience because like in the moment it's really intense
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but yeah I, it was pretty soon after that that I. I started like, oh yeah this isn't this doesn't make any sense at all to me,
0: so how do you get from there then to like the uh debate bro phase of your your atheism to to where you are now?
1: There was a guy named Jake who mm-hmm. I went to middle or high school with. I don't honestly remember if it was middle or high school, but it was like somewhere in that range, and he was very much that kind of person, and I think he specifically told me that I should read the God delusion. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where it all started. Uh, like it did for a lot of people. And then I just kind of like went down that rabbit hole. And that was like, you know, that book convinced me that like, Oh, there is activism to be done around atheism. And that's a thing that I feel like I should be involved in. And, uh, I had a job where I drove around a lot and, uh, and and I learned that podcasts were a thing. And so that's when I went, I was like, oh, I bet there are podcasts by people who are atheists i should check those out and Mm -hmm. so that that's kind of how that whole
0: thing started Mm -hmm. and then you know what what then for you was like the disillusionment with that kind of approach
1: uh just getting involved more and more with communities and seeing first of all it kind of just became boring to me before mm-hmm. i realized that i thought it was actually counterproductive in a lot of ways i was just like wow i have been talking to these people for like 5 years and we are still having the same conversation mm-hmm. and like and, and that's not to say that that's not valuable right because there are still i mean there are people who are like right now in 2022 working out this stuff and figuring out that their religious upbringing doesn't make sense to them
0: mm-hmm. but i was
1: like i I'm not particularly interested in having these kinds of conversations anymore, and I started to, to kind of see there, there were people who were involved in movement atheism, not because of a like deep desire to undo harm that the dominant religious culture has caused, but mm-hmm. as, as an intellectual superiority exercise.
0: Mm. And,
1: um, and this is, this is me in 2022 post hoc explaining what I think I realized then and didn't have, didn't quite have the like vocabulary to describe, but you know, there's a, there's a reflexive reaction when people say, well, atheism is just another religion because that's a very silly sentence to say. Um, but I do think there is something to the idea that, Uh, there is a a position that religion holds in some people's lives that is a thing that makes them feel very special and like they are Mm -hmm. sort of elevated above others and they have this special knowledge that other people don't have access to. They have some sort of like access to like moral superiority, some deeper knowledge, that kind of thing. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: You can tell that for a lot of people, that is what appeals to them about whatever religious community they're a part of. Mm -hmm. And there are very many people who switch to atheism, and their atheism fulfills that same position in their life. Mm -hmm. And I started to see a lot of the conversations around social justice, right? When they tried, when, you know, Atheism Plus tried to be a thing. And there was the whole conversation about like, well, should we, should we call ourselves humanists instead of atheists? Because it's less aggressive. uh, And maybe we want to articulate a positive vision of what we actually believe in and what we're actually about. And the vitriol that I saw around those kinds of things, I was like, wow, is this, is this like where I want to be? Is this the community I want to be a part of? And You know, and I had a lot of conversations with people about, you know, of course, this is what I'm seeing in these specific spaces. But is this really representative of, Mm -hmm. you know, what most atheists think or what most atheists do? And so I wanted to be careful about like, well, I'm done with the atheist community, you know, capital A, capital C, uh, because predominantly they are like this. I don't Mm -hmm. know that that's fair. But also, it felt like every time I tried to get involved with something, I would find that the organizations, and especially the more like smaller local meetup group type places we're very much replicating the systems of there is like a charismatic man in power who can get away with whatever he wants because he is charming. He's charismatic. He's smart. He's good at arguing. He is good at talking people into stuff. And Mm -hmm. you know, you get involved in the community and immediately you start hearing from whisper networks about these people and it just it felt like every time I got sufficiently involved in some sort of structure like that, I've found that it there was something like that, like just underneath the surface. Right. And so I I kind of became disillusioned from that. And and I will say, it does seem like that has kind of turned back the other direction recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of great things to say about the work American Atheist has been doing lately. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. Um, and for me now, I think it's just more a matter of like, I'm too busy to add anything else to my plate <laughs> more so sure. than, more so than I have uh, like, you know, whatever's happening in the atheist community I'm not into. It's more just like, I've got enough going on in my life and I, I, I don't have the bandwidth to add more to it. But that's where a lot of that disillusionment came from in you know seeing how I, I think what often happens when you're a member of a a small group, especially a group that is marginalized in some way, as atheists are, right like i I think it is important mm-hmm. to acknowledge that like uh i I, don't, I definitely am not into categorizing like well, because I'm atheist, I know what it's like. For a trans person, like I think that's silly, but I mean, I do think it is important to acknowledge that you know, atheist uh, being an atheist in in some ways does marginalize you in the world. In many
0: ways, yeah. I mean, like uh, American Atheists released a big survey that, uh-huh. that pretty conclusively, I think, shows that you're yeah. still a marginalized community. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, um, and I think that matters.
1: Yeah, it very much does. It very much does. Uh, but I, I like I saw so many people who were. Just like in almost any other social group, so incredibly unwilling to examine anything below that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, very much, religion is the problem, I'm no longer religious, therefore I can no longer be part of the problem. Um, you know, I have gay friends, so I don't have any homophobia left to unpack. I have black friends, so I don't have any racism left to unpack that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I, I feel like I ran into so much of that, that it made it really tough for me to like walk into a room full of people who were organized around atheists and have any confidence that I was going to have a comfortable time in that space. Uh, if, if Mm -hmm. I didn't like already know the people there, um, and so, you know, I like I hesitate to make broad pronouncements and say, like, well, that is the community. Right. Uh, but that was certainly my experience. And it made it really tough for me to uh, to to feel comfortable saying, like, I am a part of the atheist community. And this is a thing that I do. And this is a social group that I'm part of because it j- like that sort of thing just seemed so pervasive to me. It was tough to to stay around in.
0: Yeah, and, and this is wild partly because, you know, part of this is about us coming together and like comparing notes and, you know, who knows if any, either of our notes are at all representative of anything, but I think we both are having a lot of conversations with a bunch of different kinds of people and like I had put in my notes that I wanted to to run a theory by you, which is effectively everything you just said for the most part. So like, I'll, I'll just, I just want to read some of this, yeah, like yeah. for folks just to hear, right? Um, and like I said, part of this is a bit self-serving because of the conclusions that it comes to, but, um, my understanding, and I wasn't a big part of new atheism when it was happening around in its Day, um, because I was a, I was a born and raised atheist. Like I didn't, uh, for, I, I sort of, even more than I think some people like you never really felt a strong need for the community initially. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found out from talking to a lot of people is that one of the problems with new atheism, it seems is there was a kind of, there's a couple of things, right? There was an anxiety to commit to certain values as a community, that kind of fear of the atheism plus Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And then, you know, there were, and let me say, just to be clear, I don't think that means there were no value commitments within those communities. I do think there was some broad commitment to um, free speech Evidence-based thinking and like a broadly liberal social agenda, let's say. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I you know. Like but that. at the and at the end of the day, though, members of the community, I think, it came down to whether or not you were a non-believer. There was a sort of strong, you know, statement of like, we'll include anybody. We don't require they share some sort of moral agenda beyond their non-believer status, right? Yeah. Um. And then sort of we add in what you were also saying about how the dominant recruiting method, it seems like, for the new atheist movement as an in-group and the reinforcement mechanism as an in-group was dunking on religion. Yes, Um,
1: absolutely.
0: You know, which like is not always a bad thing, right? I'm not like here to (laughs) call out scathing atheist or something. I think that like, as you were saying, that can be really helpful to people who've been abused by religion and need to feel some really enraging pushback for the sake of you know, helping recover a little bit. Um, But I think as you also point out, like if that's not combined with a moral framework, then you're sort of primed. You have a community that's primed to dunk on stuff and not a lot of good ethical safeguards. And what happens, it seems like what did happen is a large part of that community, not just you, got bored of just dunking on religion and so started dunking on wokeness, right? Started dunking on gender theory <laughs> yes. and like other sorts of things that they thought also looked like a religion, right? Yeah. And you see so much of the like, this is a religion argument now dominating the anti-woke sphere. Um, so it sounds like that that pretty much tracks with your experience as well. Is there anything you'd add in there?
1: Yeah, no, that that's really it. Uh, it, it well, and, and I guess I would say I, I found among queer and trans folks especially in more radical spaces I had similarly such welcoming and inviting feelings from those communities who didn't give a fuck that I was an atheist Mm -hmm. and they were similarly uninterested in proselytizing their belief in like whatever spirituality they had and you know, and that's not to say that, like if somebody was like, "Hey, why are you an atheist?" It's not like I'm unwilling to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. but it just seemed like it seemed like that was there was no world in which it made sense that that was the common highest goal is to mm-hmm. like get rid of religion, right um, and I think there is there's also a lot of a lot wrapped up in this in the idea that you can even meaningfully speak of religion as a single, as a singular phenomenon, you Mm. know,
0: because I'm going to do an episode about that in the near future actually. But I think, yeah, yeah. I I think there's interesting debates to be had there. And I'm sympathetic to this, the sort of no version and the yes version a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I mean, maybe this comes from the fact that I am, I am certainly no Mm -hmm. scholar of religion. Right. So I, I'm, I am not in A position to look at someone who comes from like a really progressive, open, forward thinking religious tradition and tell them they're doing their religion wrong. I know there are Mm -hmm. a lot of people who will say that. I don't know enough to be able to say that. Uh, But also like, I'm not sure that I care, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, for example, I know there is a very strong tradition in, uh, in some uh, sections of Judaism that it's like our whole thing is that we question everything. Like mm-hmm. God is an entity that you cannot fathom. And if you're not asking questions and doubting everything, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, that sounds like a cool philosophy to me. I'm into that. That's right. certainly not what like right-wing evangelical Christianity is, you know? And I, I think there is a meaningful difference between those two things. Sure. They're both religion, but I do think there is a very meaningful difference between them. And I don't I just I don't think it serves any useful purpose to lump those folks together as if they are meaningfully the same thing or meaningfully part of a problem to anything,
0: you know? Right, right. Yeah. So like um, I just read um, an article by Chris Kavanaugh from the Guru podcast because I was debating him about this and we we'll, will probably have him on to talk about it more. But like. Um, he put forward an argument. Uh, so I, I was getting into a very like w- where you are, where it's kind of a subjective almost place where it's like, if you think you're a religion, you're a religion. Great. And if you're not, if you don't think it, you don't. Great. And I don't I don't care very much. Um, and he made it, you know, a, a decent case. I think that, like, you can probably give a broad, sufficiently broad definition of religion that is still meaningful, which is, you know, belief plus belief and or ritual attached to Something about supernatural things, right? Yeah. In, in so, in some way, right? Um. And so, like, insofar as that could be a, a functional definition, right? I think it's, um, reasonable to think that, like, maybe religion is a, you know, slightly all things considered not good thing because it involves belief in in false things, and that can be potentially harmful. But it's not in itself a horribly bad thing unless it's practiced in particular kinds of ways.
1: Yeah. And I just, you know, Mm -hmm. there are so many people that I've met that have a very strong faith, but like when I drill down on like, what do you, what do you want for the world? What does your ideal world look like? Mm -hmm. We have the exact same answer to that question. And so like, if you can get there through a religious path, like, why do I give a shit about that? Mm -hmm. Um, right. I just, I, I can't amongst all of the larger problems in the world, I cannot fathom a reason why that would be my priority. You know what I mean? Right, right. And and I know that like that maybe feels icky and it's like, you know, we can care about several things at once. Sure, Uh, that's, that's a valid thing to say. But when I look at someone and we want the exact same things and 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 they're not saying something silly like well i want the same thing you do but right. we can't get there unless we all pray about it you know what i mean right but right. i also find very at least in my experience very rarely do people actually think something like that you know they're they are very much like you know activism and like broad systemic change and uh, mm-hmm. uh you know, educating and mutual aid and that kind of stuff and i so I, like i just i can't Bring myself to care about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that's actually bad or unreasonable. Like, we might want to still say, "Look, I'm cool that you're, you know, an ethical believer. You can't be in my ethical atheism club because you're not, you know, non-believer." But like, <laughs> right. I will, I will work with you, and like, I will be in community with you. I think is the way I think about this now, yeah. where it's like, you know, there's a debate between community being about shared beliefs or shared values. I think. Yeah. And like the earlier thing we were talking about with new atheism, to me, felt like it was more of a community around belief, where that like you didn't have to have specific values to be a part of that community mm-hmm. for the most part. Whereas I think you and I are more sympathetic to the idea of a community that really should be centered around values. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beliefs can also be a factor for certain kinds of levels of membership, but not for sort of the broader expanse of that community, right? You're you're in yeah. commun you're in community with believers who share your ethical views in this kind of way.
1: Yeah. And I think part of what I struggle with along with that though, is that mm-hmm. that still a lot of times makes me feel still alienated from mm-hmm. certain communities in certain ways. Like astrology is super popular among among queers. <laughs> like right. queers love talking about astrology. And, you know, I I basically yeah. never hear about people saying, you know, saying stuff like, well, Mercury's in retrograde, so I'm going to sell my house. It's very rarely do I hear about people making those like really hugely life altering decisions based on astrology. And so I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely not like rushing in to be like, you shouldn't believe that. That's silly, you know, but it's still like when I'm talking with people and you know mm-hmm. there's like some extended conversation about like well I'm a Taurus and so therefore blah 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 I just yeah. like I I also have zero connection to that that means nothing to me and I don't I don't right. get it and I don't want to and so that's and that's where I come back a little bit in the other direction and saying that like I mean there is va- value in the the specificity of like none of that means anything to me and absolutely I, yeah and so yeah, it's, no, absolutely. it's tough
0: <laughs> right no i'm totally sympathetic to that where like you can also be in community with those people but also be like look i'm not in community with you about those particular things like <laughs> right, right. there there we are in, and like it's, i think it's good to express the disagreement because um and i like i i, I submitted a paper on this recently that um you know, atheists do experience more sense of like loneliness and alienation. And that leads to higher rates of depression, nonbelievers in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also somewhat true for skeptics. And it's also because I think nonbelievers are a form of skepticism in a sense. Um, and a part of it comes down to strategic outness that like as an individual, you have to kind of practice strategic outness around those beliefs because you don't want to piss people off so much by like making fun of you know like or, or even just saying i don't i don't agree with your astrology people will get sort of negative reactions to that but like the the suppressing of that part of your identity is i think part of what leads to the alienation to some extent
1: yeah i mean i, I literally got blocked from a facebook group once mm-hmm. for for just saying that like i don't actually think that's a thing
0: mm-hmm. because
1: there were And these people were all white, by the way, who were equating my skepticism about astrology with like systems of oppression. Because if you believe in astrology, that means that you're like part of a marginalized religious group of some kind. I Um, see. And I'm just like, fuck, I think that's where I reached my tolerance limit. Sorry, that is horseshit. And I have no Mm. sympathy for that. And I was very quickly blocked from that group for that. That's interesting. Um, I wonder I'm, I mean <laughs>
0: I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if like a study found that like people like well it's hard to know because you have to first figure out how many people actually believe in astrology. And if it's at least like the large majority, it's probably unlikely that those individuals are experiencing significant marginalization for their astrological views. Right. But it wouldn't be in principle impossible that they are a marginalized community. They're just a marginalized community that's like centered around a false belief. There are plenty of religious communities that are marginalized communities centered around false beliefs. That's not impossible.
1: Well, right. And, and I think that's another thing that turns me off a little bit about Mm -hmm. at least the way like mainstream atheist discourse used to go is that you know i can say that like as an atheist i do think that like all supernatural beliefs are equally false right but i do think there is something to be said for considering the power structures that exist when Mm -hmm. we like go after those systems of belief right Mm -hmm. um because a lot of those things do end up wrapped up in xenophobia and racism when we're talking about like Hinduism or Islam or right, or even right. astrology.
0: Right. right. Um,
1: there, uh, Some woo gets
0: dunked on more than others because of its colonial, because of colonialism, right? Like, yeah.
1: And, yeah. and, in, and in also in especially vitriolic ways,
0: I find. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I mean, you know, I, I get it, but like, Muslims are a marginalized group and they are marginalized in, in the United States because of that belief. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I really don't have any compunctions about like making shitty jokes about Christianity, but I'm probably not going to dunk on Islam because I don't want to, like, I don't want to feed into the bullshit that those folks already have to deal with. Right. Because mm-hmm. they are not the group that's in that, that's enjoying power in the, like in the world that I live in. And right. I think I, whenever people would try to have those conversations, especially people who were ex Muslims, right? Uh, I can't imagine being a part of that group and being like, hello, I, yes, I am an ex Muslim. I don't think Islam is is good and i experienced a lot of oppression because of that and a whole bunch of people like piling on in ways that swerve very very quickly into being racist and xenophobic and Mm -hmm. like having those folks have it like well hang on a second right you know and and there's there's a lot of
0: complexities there right it's just like yeah yeah like there's people who could have good reason to dunk on Islam, even though it is a marginalized. Like if those people experience trauma and like, that's part of their processing approach, then like, I think there's room for that alongside you being like, I don't personally want to engage in that because I don't need to deal with that side of things. And, and because like, I think, and this is something that I, I feel some parts of new atheism had trouble with, which is you can be really, really critical of something without needing to like a, do a bunch of nasty dunking on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can say, no, I think Islam is significantly problematic and causes quite a bit of harm and is incredibly, you know, patriarchal, et cetera, et cetera, without needing to like do the like constant, really weird levels of dunking on lots of things. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, racist caricatures uh, right. and
1: all of that sort of stuff. It's just, it feels very gross and it feels like, uh, you know, at least in the circles that I ran in, it, it felt like almost every single time anyone stood up to be like, "Hang on a second, guys, everybody would immediately like turn on that person as well. Like it just seemed like there was a very um just like such a, a resistance to the idea that we would need to examine those things any further than that.
0: Mm. Let me. So, along those lines, I want to ask you something that's going to be a little inside baseball. I apologize for folks who are not who don't <laughs> want to get this far into the weeds of um, secular. But there, there was kind of a an inner scene conflict within, let's say, the woke side of um, movement secularism about this issue. Sort of, there was a there was an article. There was some debate around like how much did new atheism merge with the alt-right essentially right oh
1: wow yeah <laughs> right um and i just
0: think this is this is maybe worth clarifying and i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it because um i think it's important because the a lot of the folks who went in the kind of direction i think there's sort of two positions here right one is that like it largely merged or all merged or however you want to put it versus you know an analysis where it's like there was a schism right there was a serious schism within movement atheism or non-believers between like the woke and the not woke, right. The ones who want a social justice agenda and the ones who don't. Um, And I, I think it's worth hashing this out a little bit because I think a lot of folks who went in the, like it merged kind of direction also were the ones who were like, and I'm done with movement secularism because of this, like um, I'm, I'm done here now. I don't think this is important anymore. Um, Whereas I think the folks on the sort of schism side were like, actually, we're trying to keep this movement going and we think it's important uh, to kind of keep it going. Um, and so I'm curious what you think about that that sort of debate, if you think that it is actually a, a sort of meaningful disagreement there, and also just like the implications in terms of should we be continuing to try to have movement secularism?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I do think it's I think framing it as, you know, the atheist movement merged with the alt-right is very clickbaity and silly as an analysis. I don't think there's nothing there. And I'm not even sure there was a schism, right? I think that was just all of the stuff that I was talking about Mm -hmm. becoming clear to everyone.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) Like, I think that's... uh, Because that's like so many people who were considered heroes to the atheist movement before, right? It's not like any of those people really meaningfully changed. They just started talking about stuff other than atheism. And we found out that they weren't that great of people. It was just that literally all they had ever talked about was how the Bible was wrong and how Christianity Mm. is wrong. And, uh, and sometimes would make very sort of broad, non-specific pronouncements about, well, of course I'm a feminist Mm -hmm. But that's like all that would be said in that vein. And there would never be any specificity given to any of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and and I, I mean, I also think there's something to be said for the fact that some of this stuff was out there and a lot of us were just ignoring it. And I, Mm -hmm. I honestly put myself in that camp, honestly, because I was a big Richard Dawkins fan and a big Sam Harris fan for a very long time. And if you go back and look at stuff now, it's like, they didn't even really start being more vocal about the stuff that we don't like. It was there. They just started saying it maybe more often. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that there was even really a schism or a merging or anything like that. I think it was just that, that idea between that, that idea of people who are atheist for different reasons, or I, sh- I should say people who are into like atheist ad. Advocacy and activism for different reasons. I think those divisions that already were there just became mm-hmm. a lot more clearly defined, and some, I guess, some some alliances started to form around that that maybe weren't there before. But yeah, I don't a sorting know, at least it yeah seems like. a sorting. That's probably a, that's probably a, a really good way to put that. I think it it's, has a lot more to do with that than anything right. else.
0: Because I mean, like we have to make sense of how we now have. American atheism, who is doing, you know, m- moving in the direction it seems to me pretty strongly of the like social justice approach versus Mythicist Milwaukee, which is like platforming far <laughs> right yeah. conspiracy theorists. Yep. So it's like there, something happened there. Those two groups were at least, you know, on the same page at one point, and it seems like are no longer on the same page. And it, you know, my sense is that like events like Elevator Gate, Gamer Gate, things like that were sort of accelerants for what what you're what I think you're right about, which is people becoming aware, not not so much that like these people suddenly broke bad, but like becoming aware that like there was a problem always. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: if you look at the leadership, to be honest, I don't know a ton about the Mythicist Milwaukee folks and like what they were doing before they started making the Nazi conference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, if you look at American Atheists and you look at the leadership and I'm not just talking about the guy who used to be president, right? Because when he stopped being president there, I mean, there was a big shakeup in terms of the people who are running that organization. Mm
0: -hmm. And if you look
1: at who's running it now, they are people who have been doing this Work in the atheist movement for quite some time, uh, mm-hmm. and now they're just helping run American atheists, and so American atheists is moving in that direction. And I think it's great, and that's like I'm like super encouraged by a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing from them. And it, you know, it has a lot of a lot to do with who with who's running it. And you know what i what I would be interested to see, because uh, I I try really hard to think about is this a thing I'm seeing because it's my perception or is this a thing I'm seeing because it's how it actually Mm -hmm. is? But I do think that there was like an energy in the movement that is not necessarily there now because it is not centered around rock stars dunking on religion.
0: Mm, it doesn't have the national it's, energy yeah it's it's not I think as, you're right
1: it's not as sexy right like yeah. because they're actually trying to do real work right. and 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 that's i mean that's not always sexy right like fighting for secular beliefs in court is not sexy you can't you can't like Buy I mean, obviously
0: sexy is subjective. Some of well, us think of course, that it's incredibly course, hot, but of like, course, of course, yes.
1: Um But you know, it's, like, it's
0: harder to package and sell in certain um, yeah, like you can't media buy. environments.
1: Yeah. Like it's, it's tough to buy an offensive and provocative billboard when uh-huh. that's the work that you're doing. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. And, uh, and, and it is, it, it's interesting that I,
0: and like yeah, let me know. let me say, I think that's almost a good thing, even still, right? Like I, I think there's something to a more slow growth model to some extent, and one that doesn't sort of rely on on those kind of approaches, and one that focuses on a more local level approach. Like it's good that national orgs like American atheism exist so that they can pool resources for um, you know, court cases and and things like that. Um but at the end of the day, what really I think is going to help grow the movement potentially is more local community organizations around things like secular student Alliance and humanist orgs and things like that, where, yeah, it's not, it's not sexy and you're not making headlines, but you're making lasting communities and lasting connections and people are pulling more people in, in that kind of way. Well, and I think where that becomes a problem is Mm -hmm. that
1: the people who are on the other side of that Mm -hmm. have a fuck ton of money, and a fuck ton of numbers and frankly at this point in history like they're winning and right they they've, they've, they've got <laughs> a, a much
0: easier chance to replicate their numbers than we do right uh, given where and, they're starting from population wise
1: right and and that's that's where i start to feel disillusioned. and and i to be clear i don't think that this is particular to the atheist movement because what what i'm thinking about sort of mm-hmm. in parallel to this is the the just absolute onslaught of anti-trans legislation that's happening in all across the United States. Right. Uh, It seemed like there was such an energy and a coalition and like an unlimited war chest when it came time to like push for marriage rights. And now that it is something that is more difficult to package uh, you know, it, it feels like some of these organizations are not, they either don't have the resources or they're not committing mm-hmm. the resources that they had or, you know, the, because the people in the movement that have all the money are usually like rich, white, cis gay men. And it feels like, I don't know if this is an accurate perception to be clear, but what it feels like is it's like, cool, mm. we can get married now. We're done.
0: Mm, I and understand.
1: You know, and and it feels tough to get some of the, you know, the orgs that have the really, really big budgets like, cool, you send a tweet. Awesome. What's next? You Mm -hmm. know, and I feel I feel like a similar thing is happening now where it's like some of these organizations are actually focused on like really good, meaningful, impactful work, but it's work that's more difficult to package and mm-hmm. it's work that doesn't like get people riled up the way that you know a a, a fuck you jesus rally would and right. so that means that these organizations are now like trying to do good work but they're trying to do it with fewer resources and that's very disillusioning to me and I, and to be right. clear i don't i don't think that's a problem with atheism specifically i think that's a very a very much broader cultural problem in how we you know, define what our priorities are as a society right um, we've got a bootstrapping problem right yeah Where it's yeah, like yeah.
0: we need to have a sense of community to get people to build a community but you need to have the community to get them to have the sense of community and and,
1: and when know, we, we don't go. have the numbers honestly it's it's hard to get people to care mm-hmm. uh, because you know right now i mean unless you're fabulously rich life's tough for Almost everyone, <laughs> you know, right. for a lot yeah. of different reasons.
0: It's hard It's hard to be socially just in a capitalist society. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Let me – so we're running short on time here, but I, I, have, I did want to at least get a little bit of your thoughts on, like, how – you know, if, if we're going to try to swell those numbers, it seems to me that, like, LGBTQ folks – should be like a core demo because like you say y'all's rights are also being ro- rolled over by by religion right now like uh, amongst the marginalized communities this is one community that seems like is very hand in glove with the secular movement in terms of our our challenges um but we have this you know reputational problem um can we repair that damage and like what do you think are the top priorities for you know groups like like american atheism if they want to to sort of make it clear to folks that like you know we know the way things were we want them to be better we're making them better please give us another chance kind of stuff
1: that's a really hard question because (laughs) i feel like because i feel like what the energy seems to be around in these fights is like two different visions of what God actually wants for humanity. And I have zero interest in participating in that argument because, you know, I, I think it's the last time I looked at the statistic, it's like 50% broadly of like the LGBTQ community uh, professes no particular religious belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think often what we hear about in more progressive communities is not that, you know, religion is the problem. It's that people doing religion wrong is the problem. It's like, you know, these people say they're speaking on behalf of God. They're not like, that's not really what God wants. Here's what God really wants. Mm -hmm. And I think, I I mean, I do think there is a a reputation problem in that, like all of the most famous atheists are fucking dickheads uh is, is what it comes down mm-hmm. to honestly
0: and i i think dennett didn't break bad in particular i think he stuck to his philosophy of mind stuff for the most part but
1: i think he's i think he's
0: am i wrong since, i could be wrong
1: i I'm sure people are going to ask for specifics and I don't have them, but I I do remember at one point somebody was like, Oh yeah, he's, he's like the last one who hasn't just come right out, like mask off as a terrible person. And to be fair, he hasn't
0: also done a lot of atheist activism work in a long time. It feels like he mostly went back to just doing philosophy. It seems.
1: Yeah. Um, And yeah. and, And so, you know, part of my, part of my question is like, how, how do we even interface with this problem? Because as atheists often we are coming at things from the perspective of like we are non-religious we don't profess uh you know any belief in the supernatural or spirituality or anything like that and that's how part of how we have come to whatever our solution is is that like that's our worldview and i feel like there are broad swaths of social justice movements who actually, who honestly don't know how to interface with that worldview. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they have, you know, an idea of like what it means to be an atheist. And like I said, I think far more often people are much more interested in just being like, well, no, God actually loves trans people. God actually loves queer people. And you know, how am I going to respond to that? Because Mm I'm, I'm certainly, like I said, I'm not a fucking scholar of of religion. I can't argue with somebody about that. And I don't have any particular interest in doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I, if I'm coming at it and saying like, okay, I'm not coming at this as, you know, from an atheist perspective, I'm coming at this from a, from a secular perspective, right? Like I don't actually care what your religious beliefs are. I just don't think that you get to make laws based on your religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think that presents a problem, right? Because I think people, even very, very progressive people, will say very specifically that like their religious beliefs are how they came to whatever their progressive position is.
0: It's hard to separate their moral Um, moral beliefs from their religious beliefs and say they can. Yeah, it's tricky. Um,
1: And there's just there's such a high hill to climb because mm -hmm. I think you and I understand why. It makes sense that you're going to expend significant resources fighting against having like in God, we trust on a school wall or something like that. Like I think you and I both understand why that's an important fight to have. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people who think that like the reason you're doing that is because you're an asshole and you're petty. Right. And like you have to have such like such basic conversations about why that sort of thing is a problem before you can even get to we as atheists or secularists have something significant to add to this conversation and that we, you know, belong in community with all of you. Um, because Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the the other side of this that I've heard a lot of people say is that the like movement atheism is in some ways a victim of its own success Mm -hmm. in that, if it's normal to be an atheist, you don't have to organize around atheism anymore. And it's just not a thing people think about anymore. You okay. Know people, yeah. People don't think about, I'm going to organize my life in some way around what religious belief I do or don't have. Like that's not even an, an axis on which a lot of people think of themselves anymore.
0: Yeah. And, I, I want to, yeah. um, I do want, I do want to talk about that objection um, and sort of this argument that like, we don't need, Sort of movement secularism anymore or something because it's so successful, I, 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 I sort of strongly disagree, I think, um, but unfortunately, we're way past um, main show times. So maybe we can save that for a little bit of, of yeah, bonus yeah. content um, and maybe you can before I have to torture you, if you have any um, you know if you want to briefly point folks towards further resources that you would recommend if you know like, like me, they want to do secular community organizing in a way that is sympathetic to these concerns.
1: God, I don't know mm-hmm. and and that that is honestly the answer like part of the reason that I was excited to have this conversation is because that's a struggle I'm having, and I don't know that I have a position on what the answer is okay
0: um
1: i I think the way that I have personally come down to it in my own life is that I think I just have to feel comfortable with the fact that I'm gonna have to find a bunch of different communities to interface with mm-hmm. uh based on the the sort of different axes of of things that uh, that, uh, change the way that I, that I walk through the world Mm -hmm. and I'm never going to be a hundred percent there for any of them. And, you know, that's maybe in some ways a universal experience, but I think that that is a problem that in theory, a religious belief and a church has an answer to it's an answer Mm -hmm. that i think is wrong but it is an answer and it's an answer that's very very appealing and i i don't know what the solution is to that
0: (laughs) fair enough i mean mean, the solution is just to try to get involved with and listen to as many communities as possible or something yeah
1: yeah Um, i mean that that's what it really is that's what it is i think
0: fair enough all right well unfortunately that means now i have to torture you hell yeah Um, let's do it this is the enlightening round Enlightenment comes from within. Okay, I am, for folks who are not familiar, going to ask you uh, about a series of things. I'm gonna give you a list of things, and you're gonna tell me are these things real or not real? Fuck, okay. Those are your only options. You don't get to define what real means. You don't get to hedge or anything of that sort. Just real or not real, okay? Okay,
1: so no explanations, no paragraphs. Nope. nothing Literally just real, not real.
0: Real or not real, are okay. you ready?
1: Fuck, no, but okay. <laughs>
0: we we got the uh Klingon stun tasers out um
1: pain sticks they're called pain sticks
0: pain sticks excuse me I apologize yeah Uh, I'm sure you know the the Klingon for it probably uh no don't get don't yeah okay thank you uh now that your throat is cleared um okay first of all let me check is anything real yes okay great so let's find out what is real the external world real or not real real colors real or not real not real phenomenal consciousness real free will not real selves or persons Not real genders, real races, <laughs> real species, not real morality, morality, not real rights. Not real knowledge, real God or gods, not real society, real money, (laughs) the faces.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. People are listening, but we can see each other, and I'm making lots and lots of faces. At all of these so lessons. much scrunching. Ah, <laughs> uh, money, real or not real? Ah, fuck. I'm gonna go with not real.
0: All right, numbers. Real, fictional characters. Real, holes like a hole in the ground, <laughs> or a wow. void if you prefer. An. <laughs>
1: Wow, that is one I did not expect. Uh real.
0: All right. Chairs.
1: <laughs> real.
0: Sandwiches?
1: Oh fuck. Not real. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, it's two in a row, actually. That's rare. Uh, science. <laughs> real. Natural laws. Real. Beauty. Not real, love.
1: <laughs> real.
0: Okay. Causality. Real. And finally, time. Real. All right, you survived. How do you feel?
1: That was extraordinarily painful. I need good. I need drugs after that. Yeah. That was All a right. Lot.
0: Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that for <laughs> posterity. So that's good. Yeah. Um. So we went extra long here a little bit, but that's great. Um, you know, I think it was a really important conversation to have. We're sa- clearly saving the world here, obviously. Yes, of um, course. Uh, but we'll talk about this stuff a little bit more in the VIP segment. But do you want to let folks know where they can find your stuff?
1: Hell yeah. Uh, so I make a podcast called Queer Queersplaining, which you can find at Queersplaining.com or uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm at Callie Gets It on Twitter, where you can find me normally yelling about gender or star trek
0: okay fair enough um and yeah maybe we'll, we'll chat a little star trek after or in the uh vip stuff but um thank you all so much for listening and you know stick around perhaps as a human i was ill-equipped to thank you but as myself you have my everlasting gratitude thanks again to our listeners and patrons who make the show possible um, thanks as always to our top tier patrons our Archon-level patrons, Lawrence Shielding, this is a tribute to a song about a tribute to a, sh- a song from whence I got this username, Dude, Fix the Vote, uh, Hemet Meta, But Sounded So Shrill, uh, What Happened to Jessica, Chad T, Jesse Benowitz and Brenda Goodman. And all the thanks to our Archduke-level patrons, Big Easy Blasphemy, Creepy Little Void Eyes, and Dave Maslich. If you'd like to support the show, please check out my other show, Philosophers in Space. And while you're at it, check out our wonderful editor, Louisa Lyons' Film Live Musicals podcast. Leave them all a five-star rating on your podcast app. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at etvpod or email me at voidpod at gmail.com. And if you notice a small void growing within you, consider supporting us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void. Just $4 a month gets you early access to episodes and bonus VIP content most of all as long as you're in this community you are the void and the void is you